to DM to GM. This is the place where we answer your questions so you feel better playing games around the table. Every time I say that, it gets a little bit longer. I'm your DM from Dungeons and Dragons, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM from The End of Time and Other Bothers, Sean Howard. How you doing, Sean? You feeling good? I'm doing I'm doing great today, Russ. It is so nice to just see your face and not be just sitting in my living room staring at the wall. This is my favorite time every two months when we get together, because I think that's how long it takes us to get together. It, it is how long. We it should do this more often. That's all I'm saying. We should. Hmm. I have lots of time now, amazingly. Yeah, my schedule is quite open. I say that only because we're in a time currently where it's very important to reach out to your friends and ask them questions, ask them how they're doing. And that's hopefully what we can do for you is if you just come join our Discord, join us on Facebook and Twitter, we've got places for you to hang out with us and with other people uh, who are like-minded, wanting to play D&D and tabletop role-playing games. So come join us. And all the places where you can interact with us, people are asking us questions and we are available and we answer in the Discord constantly. We're trying to help people. So if you have questions about running your table, getting started, taking your table to the next level, we're here for you. This is why we're doing this. And then every two months, we'll put out a call for more questions, which we then answer here on the episode. So today, Russ, we wanted to talk about start with a topic. And the topic is something that's sort of come up a few times. It wasn't a specific question, but I think it's come up a few times on the Discord. This idea of stepping off of the character sheet or just min-maxing, you know, how how we go about putting the role play in tabletop role-playing game. Um, so there's a lot of parts to this from, you know, what are the parts of it that we enjoy? Um, how And then I guess part of it, I'm wondering is how we can help people who have a table way that maybe isn't as comfortable yet. So uh, with stepping into role-playing and, and I'm sort of thinking about our own tables and how those tables have changed the way they've role-played over the time that we've been working. Each of us has been working with our tables might also be interesting to explore. Absolutely. Because we, we ourselves have tables that started at different points for the game. Yours came from more of a theater acting group that was more comfortable stepping into a character than learning the game mechanics. Oh, they still don't know the game We're, mechanics. Exactly. Yes. Whereas mine, mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time learning the game mechanics and then it wasn't till like a tipping point where I was like, no, we need to start acting this. <laughs> so yeah. a couple different shifts on both sides of our table. So yeah, I'm excited to dive into that with you here. Um, so stepping off of the character sheet, for me, starts with understanding my character sheet and having your players understand their character sheet. So either having a rules light table or making sure everybody knows everything about this so they don't have to keep going back to it um, is a great start point to say, throw out the character sheet or just put it off to the side. If you need to roll something, we'll look at it, but let's just be in the moment, look at your friends beside you or on a video in front of you and um, embody Stan the Rogue or Jerry the the Cleric. Hey, oh, Gru! Hey, I'm just doing my job here! Ah, oh, Gru, good to see you back again, friend. Yeah, and I think you've such an interesting point. Um, it can feel awkward 
to start stepping into role-playing for the first time, right? If you have a table that's very rules and battle-based and you're all learning the rules, I think it it is important to hit a point of confidence and comfort, right? Where you're like, we enjoy this. We feel safe with each other. Um, that's a critical thing in improv and theater. Um, Absolutely. Hitting a place where you feel you feel like everyone is with you. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. you, you feel safe having fun or trying an accent that goes badly. Um, you're not going to be ridiculed um, because that social pressure is one of the strongest drivers of our behavior in the whole world. So, so working with your table, either through understanding the rules or the system or um, trying little exercises, um, little ways you can get everyone to tr- start doing it um, and then realizing that we're all in it together and we're having fun. That's critical. So feeling safe, but then having fun. Like if you try and get your table to start role playing and, and you're the, the soup Nazi from Seinfeld, it's not going to go well. Right, <laughs> like, you're you're not wrong. Yeah, you have to be in, encouraging and affirmative in what in what you're putting out in order for the players around you to feel more comfortable. I just yeah. I actually just took an improv course, and the instructor uh, put it in a very interesting way that clicked for a lot of people. I was one of the more not to toot my own horn, but I was one of the more advanced because I do this every week for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But there were a lot of people there who were just trying to feel more comfortable standing in front of people saying something and doing something. Um, and he put it a very interesting way in that we grew up knowing how to play and we grew up knowing how to embody these characters that we, you know, never knew. But the second our friend came over, we were now somebody different. And we spent so many years forgetting how to play. Yes. So that's what this course was trying to do was just get you back to the point where you knew it was okay to pretend. Yes. And that's what we're doing every time we sit down at the table, whether you take on a character voice or whether you just, you know, talk in as that character, not in third person or not in anything like that. You're just allowing yourself to pretend and play. How did you, so how did you take a table that maybe, I know some of your table has like, has some experience with acting. Yep. Um, but you had a table that was playing a game, not necessarily a lot in character. What was it like um, getting everyone sort of stepping into that? You know what I mean? That What were those first experiments like? Um, so, like I said, we like, even when we started podcasting, we weren't the best role players. Yeah. We tried. I did a lot of you know, stupid voices and that sort of thing. Um, but there was an inciting incident with when we had a guest on. Um, and that guest, you know, I worked with him. He built up this whole big backstory, you know, where his character came from. Um, it had nothing to do with the current story arc that he was stepping into, which, Hmm. you know, put it back on me. I should have probably given him a nugget that he could have passed on, but they, they being uh, my players, treated him as a an information mine and only asked him about the things they knew about in the world. After that, he talked to me and he was like, so I didn't get to do any of this cool stuff that I had planned. You know, that's okay. But, you know, maybe next time if you could work with them on that. And 
I turned around to them and said, when you walk into a bar, do you walk over to someone and say, where's the gold? Or do you walk over to someone and say, hi, my name's Russ. What do you do? Where are you from? Where's the gold? Where's the gold? But you try and get to know the people around you. And that's after that, we had a sit down and we said, okay, well, we can't treat every character we meet in game as a reason to move this, you know, move this specific plot point. Like there's, we're trying to build a whole world. And even you sitting around the table or sitting online with your friends, um, you want to flesh out the world beyond the, the linear story arc. So you feel like you're not on the railroad once you start going. I, I don't know. I like this. I want to, I want to cut you off a little because this is good. So I like your example a lot. You sat down with your table. So I really like this idea. I never really thought of it that way. But I think it's really important that if you're going to change the, the social contract by which you're playing, which you sort of are when you're trying to push them into a new way of playing, Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's not just numbers. It's not just about winning the game. We're going to have fun, you know, imagining and blah, blah, blah. Um, I like the fact that you sat down and talked with your table. You're like, you know what I mean? It's like, because you're changing the social contract. You have to, like, you almost have to, as the GM, we almost have to get them excited and, and feeling safe that they want to try this, but also hearing from them what they're scared of, what they like, what they want to try. And part of the thing I'm playing in my head is, um, Part of it may be also exposing them or using examples they know, yes. right? Like now we can point to some, you know, big name shows and be like, oh, you know, I sort of want, I want, I like to run our campaign more like this show or, you know, that show. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely having um, things to point to, be it TV shows or podcasts or whatever, that gives them the kind of flavor of it um, and then give them time to process that. So after you've sat down, you've talked to them being like, we're playing a, we're playing a game, you know, it's fun. We're stepping, you know, going point A, point B, point C. We're doing all that. We're checking all the boxes, but what if we could add more flavor, more depth, more discovery in it so that it's not just surface level and then give them those opportunities. So it comes back to kind of those improv role-playing moments yeah. where you give them those exercises. You know, you walk into that tavern, you sit down at this campfire with this caravan of people, and then just stop. Take a breath and let them see what they do. Say, now's your time to shine as your character. What does your character do? They've sat down, they've got three people they don't know around them. How would you... Put yourself into that situation and let them kick off a conversation or let them kick off something. Maybe they just walk up and they kick a stone into the fire, but that allows you to send, bring an NPC in and say, hey, hey, watch out. We're trying to cook there on that thing. You don't want to get the dust in there. And then allow them that time to have that interaction, be it good, bad, or otherwise, because it might, it might flop, but it yeah. gives them the chance to fail. And failing is good, and you should be okay with failing and celebrate the failure because after you figure out, you know, after you've failed, you know, okay, well, that didn't work or that did work or, you know, what can I do better next time? Yeah, failure is an interesting thing because, like, I would often say, I think I think we're agreeing, I would often say you want to create, like, a, a playpen, a play space mm-hmm. where they can just play with their character and maybe it doesn't go as expected. But I find it's important to not bring in judgment, 
right? It's yeah. easy as a GM to walk your character over. Like that example you just gave, they kick the thing in the fire. You could easily walk your, instead of walking a cook over, you'd walk uh, a sheriff over. You're under arrest. You're out of here. I'm putting you in, you know what I mean? Like you could overreact yep. to like, you're doing the wrong thing. You're wrong. Um, versus um, responding to them and being like, yeah, we, you can do that, right? Sure. Um, I just played a character on Russ's show where I, I thought this character is going to die because the, the, the entire cast does not trust the crew doesn't trust me. There's like, they're like, we have no reason to step in and help this guy. Right. Um, because like I was just playing this character in a certain way. And then, um, it's fun when the table plays along and right. When, when you're playing a fun, weird character and then the table plays along and I'm like, Oh, my character's probably going to die here but I'm not sad. It's like, he totally deserves to, to be left alone here. Right. Like, cause you've done, been, there's yeah, nothing you've put, redeeming. You've put yourself in that situation and yeah. now everybody is fueling off of the energy that you're right. putting into that scene. And they're helping carry you, ca- carry you forward as well as you're trying to help them move forward in the story that you're trying to tell. So, uh, yes, I think exactly we're agreeing. My example might've been more to the negative side, Whereas it could have skewed more to the positive side. Um, and when I say failure, I don't mean, oh, I feel really bad about that failure. Right. But you failure in that you're doing something that's that's weird and unnatural and not normal for your current situation. Um, and it's OK to do something that feels dumb. Because improv <laughs> and role playing is dumb. We're playing yeah. different characters. We're playing children. We're dumb. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, let's look at your table. Your table went from not role-playing to, we, we'll put a link in the show notes to me playing Gru on Russ's Dungeons and Dragons show. Yeah. Just went up. Um, it was a lot of fun, but it was really fun playing off of those characters that I knew from your show. Yeah. Right? Like, like I was basically playing a, a, a Sully times 10 and I was very interested to see how that, because it started, we started to almost bond, Sully and I, and then, you know, I was like, I just want to see how far I could push it. Yeah, the interesting thing about that, and it, I don't know if I, I can't remember if I kept it in the episode or not. Um, I think I kept Amy's res- response to it, but Tom and Carla's characters, Moot mm-hmm. and Glim, started going along with your character. Right. For whatever reason, I didn't talk to them after the fact, you know, about what they thought exactly, because they, as their characters, played you off as as a guy who didn't know what the hell he was doing, and he was kind of not really good to follow, but they were following you anyways, but they were yes-ending you without question. Yes, they were. Whereas Amy's character, who's usually that yes-and character without question, then had to step in and be like, Hey, what what are we doing here? This guy's kind of a nut job. Why am I stepping up to be the one to say this? It was awesome. I loved it when Amy called him out, called my character out. Yeah. But that's like fun to play. As an improviser, that's a lot of fun to play a character and watch how a table is going to, they're going to respond as their characters. Um, And it creates fun moments. And um, so we'll link to that. You guys can, I don't know. It was fun. Um, The... And it's an example of where anyone, let's say you have a table right now, the person asking this question, you're like, oh, you know, my table doesn't role play. Like you can listen to this episode and be like, that could be your table in not that long of a period of time. Um, uh, So uh, what? Okay. So here's something that I think about a lot. I'm like, 
you talked about bringing in a player, right? A player that was like pushing the table. Sure. Um, I think that's a great thing to do. Bring in a guest, bring in someone who you know is an actor or who's going to have fun or is funny, whatever. Um, and just to show your table another style, another way you can play the game. Doesn't mean you have to play it that way, but it's another way. Um, the other thing is to take some improv. Take an improv class. Take a few if you enjoy it, and then slowly introduce your table. Right? Yeah. Bring uh, we do we do improv warm ups in my at my table. Um, you can slowly introduce ideas and games. And the improv games are designed to be ludicrous. They're just designed to make you look like a moron. They're designed, yeah, to go to that far extreme right. that you would never in a million years go to. Yep. But then it gives you the point where you can draw it back. Be like, okay, well, we took it way out there, but we really want to be kind of back here or find your spot wherever in that that shade of whatever that you're in. Um, right. But yeah, they're just to loosen you up and get yeah, you and, to play. And to realize you're safe in this space. You can do yeah. something. You can walk around like a chicken and make everyone repeat your words and weird stuff like that, and you'll be supported. And then it's like, oh, well, I can also just use a character voice. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. improv. Do it. Improv. <laughs> Support your local improv. And, but also just rec, I love, so let's take this back. So uh, step one is talk with your table. Talk about examples of uh, podcasts that you love, whether it's Mercer's table, whoever's table. You're like, Adventure Zone, like, I really love this arc and the way everyone played it. Have that conversation. Find out what they like. Yeah. Um, the joy of a podcast is there are so many that play all different styles. Like, 100%. you know, Sean's table is pretty strictly like in character. Mine's a good middle ground where we have a lot of in and out of character. And then there are some that just play totally off the page and they're just yep. rolling through. So you find which one you like and have your table listen to an episode or two that you really like. 100%. Go try it. Yeah, and then talk as a table. I really like that idea that you did, Russ. I thought that was a great idea. And we did that at iTable. I got to say, we, so my table did not start from the gaming community. Right. So we had very interesting conversations that were were not about how in character we're going to be a nod. It was more like, um, it was more like they weren't necessarily comfortable at first with us recording and releasing it. They were like, no one's going to want to listen to this. Or it was more conversations around that end of safety, right? right? Like feeling comfortable and safe to do what we're going to do and then release it to the world. Because most of my table had never heard on a live play podcast, right? So they didn't understand at first. So I think regardless of where your table's at, what I like about what you raised, Russ, was having that conversation at the table. Yes. And what is, what, basically it comes down to, what would be fun for every person? Not like we've talked about this before, find out what they want to do. They want to fight or whatever. Yeah. But now it's like, Hey, have a conversation about, we've listened to some shows, all of us send them out to everyone and be like, what would be fun to create? Like, you know what I mean? How much imagination do we want to be having here? Like, do you know what I mean? And Definitely. have that conversation and then be like, what, what concerns do people have? Right. Literally, they may just be concerned that they're going to look stupid talking in a character voice, or they're going to say they don't know any voices, or you know what I mean? Yep. Just allowing people to talk about it out loud is often all you need to do. You don't really need to address it sometimes. You just need to let everyone agree, like, hey, we want to do this thing, but we're afraid of looking stupid. And then you're like, okay, cool. Once you know their concerns, it's easier to, well, 
not easy, but easier to find ways to address them. If character voices scare people off, then don't do character voices. You can still be in character as yourself yep. playing another character. You don't need a funny voice there to, to embody your character if that puts them off. Or maybe it's just even being a different person. And then, you know, some of those exercises that you can do or, you know, examples that you can lis- get them to listen to is just changing the, you know, S- Stan the Rogue does this thing to now I do this thing. Yeah. And that places them in the world. It, even on the surface level and then session after session, I bet you, you'll notice that person who was very reluctant to turn that Stan into I, into, you know, into embodying a character and finding their voice quicker than you think. Because once you, once you start, it's fun. Like it just cascades um, and you'll find quicker than you think that there you've got a full table just talking to each other in character and you got to put it back on the rails in order to figure out what to do next or just stay off the rails like my table. Another thing is to consider changing the system. So you got a table. It's in a world. You've been working really hard at it. Wonderful. If you're at a place where you want to explore and and everyone's like, hey, we want to try doing this stuff, but we're not sure how. One idea is to run a one-shot in a different system. Um, pick something with very light rules, right? To sort of, because if you take a, if you're doing a, oh, first of all, let's say you're doing Pathfinder. You're like, everyone is basically a D&D an accountant, right? Yep. Or you're running D&D. You got a lot of rule heavy stuff people can latch on to. Now you run them through a Powered by the Apocalypse system, something fun like Monster of the Week, where it's like you can build it at the table in 45 minutes, build the campaign. Like what's going to happen is you can't latch on to these rules. You're in new territory. And what you have to play with are like even the powers aren't well described. So you're sort of forced to create something. It's all left all very open. Another good example of things like Powered by the Apocalypse are really good at that. Uh, Grant Howitt is a one page adventure one page one shot creator we'll link him down in the description too he's amazing oh, yeah, yeah. he does uh like honey heist and honey witch heist, is dead yeah. um sexy battle wizards like these are Those all are so rules light like he gives you three stats that are just so you know loosely dictated that you have to kind of talk about them each time something happens to figure out what you got to roll but that forces you to um, adopt your character and they usually only have like three characteristics that they give you per page on these Grant Howitt ones um, so it, it forces you quickly to get into character and be in character and then look back at the rules if you need to it but it really pushes that embody the character in the world moment um, and that's a great way to break out of any sort of rules heavy playing uh, that you might feel stuck in stuck is a stuck is the bat wrong word but if you're looking for that change that's a great way to do it good suggestion thank you um i think um something sort of related that we can talk about is there's a trick in this we don't talk about a lot you we talk about it a little if you do comedy improv classes but we don't i don't know if we talk about it a lot as gms um as a gm or a dm one of the cool things, and it can be daunting at first, is having to come up with a lot of characters, right? Everyone yeah. your party meets. Um, and um, in comedy improv, um, basically, one of the tricks to create a character is to 
basically take a single trait. It's literally, you take the simplest idea and you just take it, you just run with it and you just keep making it, you just over-empathize. You just blow it totally out of proportion, yeah. Thank you. That's a better way of saying it. So, like, literally, you're like, oh, this person's just cheap, but they're not just cheap. They're like, they won't, they're not wearing clothes because they won't spend for, you just, you over to the top. Or, or they have a weird accent and you just double down on that. Um, you can literally take one trait. Um, and sometimes I find with character sheets and all the time we invest in the whatever, it can sometimes feel daunting to, I think, some people. Um, or if you're reading out of a module with all the stats on a bad guy, it can feel daunting sometimes. Like, how do I make this character um, more real? Um, and one of the tricks I've learned is you just, I just take one trait. It might be the one word I, I, my eye rests on, on that sheet, yeah. or I might just force, I often force myself to write down one thing. Sure. Right. Like, um, and that's a, that's a way that you can get better at creating characters when you realize that's all you actually need is to know their name, maybe their profession and this one thing about them. I, for me, yes. Characteristics, hundred percent for me, it's, I get very Physical, that's going to sound bad, but I get very physical with my characters. Physical. I I take that characteristic and I try to embody it. Mm -hmm. Me too. My small characters, my shoulders go up and I talk a little higher because it crushes my larynx. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so you find that or, you know, you give yourself a limp. I mean, this is all audio that we do, but still. <laughs> I'm watching. This is really fascinating. That you can't all see what Russ is doing. I, you know, I, I sit here a lot and, you know, Amy's sitting beside me and she's like, he's just drumming his hands back and forth, but that's the evil character that I'm, yeah. that I've put myself in now. And that's what I did. It's like, okay, I don't know who this character is. It's, it's a bad guy. I got to do something. I start drumming my fingers and now I can drop my voice and now I know what exactly he's up yep. to. He's plotting. He's doing something. Come in, children. Yep. I don't, I've been told I don't turn my neck when I'm the shattering and I move, everything becomes very slow. You kind of um, like Batman full cowl. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like yeah. the shattering. It's like, oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. But physical, just physical you know, a voice, good. some sort of physicality to it. Whether they can see you or not, it doesn't matter. You might feel like a goober sitting on a phone call with somebody and you're walking with like a limp and a hunchback. But if that helps you get into character, try it out. Why not? 100%. Body is a very powerful way to, to find a character. Um, but it, literally, you just you start with one thing. When Russ was talking about drumming his fingers, that's the one thing. Start with that. How do you feel? How do you double down on that? Um, how do you, like that character can suddenly introduce long pauses into everything because they're just spending their time with their fingers. Like you can sort of start to, you can have a lot of fun with creating characters and a character sheet can sometimes get in the way. Absolutely. In my experience. Right. Cause there's so, a lot of numbers on a character sheet and how do you yeah. act out numbers? You exactly. D- you don't. Right. And there's too many, there's too many facts written down about them almost. Right. There's one character that I created for Dungeons that is one of the creepiest characters and it happened totally by accident because I started talking a little bit slower and then I forgot what the fuck I was going to say and it was like the (laughs) longest pause and everybody was just like, is this for real? And then I was like, this is it. He's the long pause, heavy breath guy. Yep. So that's when he was created. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's all you need. And then you just double down on it. And then the cool thing about creating a character is when you start playing the character more, you literally can ask yourself the question, 
if that is true, what else is true? Yeah. But to start, you just need the one trait. But if you have a character that has very long pauses, what else is true? Maybe they're not very smart, for example. Maybe, like yeah. one interpretation, yep. right? And they're hiding that. Or you could just keep building in your head. Whatever pops in your head is fine. But if if that one trait is true. How is the like, rest of the world going to react to that, which is going to exactly. mold them through that in order to help you create yourself and them? Um, yeah. And so maybe they don't like characters that talk really fast. Like you can just start to really build out a, a character just with one trait. Every time they get interrupted, they just start sighing endlessly because they weren't quite done their thought. <laughs> My favorite thing with those characters is to literally start back at the beginning again. <laughs> Every time they're interrupted, it's so much fun to do with your table. Um, it's hard to remember always, but literally you can have a lot of fun just having a character that will sigh. And then just start again at the very beginning. And after a while, your table are all like, nobody say anything. <laughs> it's like they have this, you know, telemarketer script in front of them that they have to yeah. get through. So uh, sum it up. Uh, how do we sum this up, Russ? Um, uh, so to sum it up, um, create an environment or help create an environment that is comfortable, inviting, and doesn't put down ideas or thoughts or anything. Is very safe. That's the word I'm looking for. Safe. There you go. And have a meeting with your table and talk about this. Use examples. Explore the kind of game and play you all want to attain or move to one day or or just play with. And and then try it. Try things. Get them to yes. try things. So take those examples, take those movies, take those podcasts. Pick a character, pick a characteristic, as Sean said, you know, maybe they're humble, maybe they brag, maybe they're shy, maybe they are really tall. How do you act out a tall character? You just picture yourself as a tall character. That will help give them a voice. Taller, bigger characters sometimes yeah. boom Taller. a lot more. Yes, boom. Yep. Um, so, and then try it and say, say yes to yourself and to the others around you to allow you to play, to allow you to play. We knew what we were doing when we were kids. We just forgot how. So go try it. And have fun. Have fun. If you have any other questions, send them to us. DM to gmcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send them directly to just Sean and I. We're the only ones who see those ones. Actually, they only go to Russ. I don't know how to access them. You have the password. I know. Or you can come join us in our community. Now's the time when you need to connect with people more than ever. Uh, come join us on our Discord. Link is down in the description. You can come join. There are wonderful people over there. Uh, you can ask your questions. You can maybe find a game to play. And if we can't answer your questions or we're not there to answer your questions, there's a whole group of amazing people who have very similar life experiences to us and to you. And uh, you'll find something that helps you get playing games right now more comfortably and we'll all talk to you soon bye bye we'll, we'll talk to you soon Russ yeah. will talk to you soon I'll always talk to you the fable and folly network where fiction producers flourish.
That's all I can do. That's all any of us can do. I was remote ops in the war. Neural implants let me control trucks, drones, whatever you got. Now I'm back and all these government issue prosthetics are falling apart. What the hell are you doing in my barn? I'm just looking for a little power, and then I'll be on my way. That'll be Arlen Frey. He must have seen you on the drone feeds. Who is he? The meanest son of a bitch with a badge. Broken Road. A dystopian audio drama coming Monday, July 25th, 2022 on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and everywhere else you like to listen. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Broken Road Pod. Learn more at www.recursor.tv forward slash Broken Road.